0: Mac Power Users Episode 505: Chris Bailey and the Noah's Ark of Dongles. Hello, everyone. This is David Sparks, joined by my pal and yours, Mr. Stephen Hackett. How you doing, Stephen? I'm good, David. How are you? I, you know, I was looking at you. Uh, now we are north of three hundred thousand dollars raised for St. Jude, Ooh. and. You played such a big role in that. Thank you, man.
1: <laughs> oh, hey, no. Thank thanks to everyone who was involved. September was, it was a real highlight of my career. So I mean that seriously. To to be able to to take the energy behind relay and funnel it to something good was was really awesome.
0: Yeah. And today we're joined by a guest, uh, a friend of mine, Chris Bailey. Welcome to the Mac Power Users. Thank you. It's it's cool to be here. Now, Chris was a guest on Focus. I think you were the first guest we had after we rebranded focused and, and uh, Chris and I are friends. We, we uh, tend to have um, Nando's together. That's our, that's our date thing. It's delicious. Yeah. yeah. And um, it's a but, good
2: date activity for anyone.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, well, Chris wrote this amazing book called the productivity project. And so years ago, well, not that many years ago, but a while ago, he decided to try every productivity, um, um Idea out on himself, and he wrote a book about it. You know, like he worked one week twenty hours a week, he worked another week eighty hours a week. He took he did math on it, it brought science to bear. It's a really great book. Uh, in <laughs> fact, I uh, I liked it for my wife because she was interested in this stuff, but she didn't really start. And because Chris covered so much in that book, I got started. But then when I went to lunch with Chris, I found out not only is this guy very productive, he's also a huge Mac nerd. Yeah, And that's uh, true. I'm like okay.
2: Since the iBook G four, the one uh what the one with the little tabs on the keyboard above where you can I, I always I always used to fiddle with that. I feel like everybody just kind of fiddles with their technology when they're thinking, especially if they're more on the nerdy side. And I always fiddled with those little tabs on the top of the keyboard. That was yeah, since that day I've been watching all the keynotes, listening to to pods like this one and just kind of embedded stealthily in, in that nerdy uh ecosystem. So yeah, it's, it's, it's actually really cool, trippy to be here because I remember listening to this podcast in the gym when I was doing that productivity project. And and now things have wrapped around themselves and, and come full circle.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, it's funny because we do meet, um, we, need, we meet authors and sometimes celebrities and folks who are interested in coming on the show. And I'm very protective. I don't want to bring this anybody on the show, right? I want somebody who can bring some nerdy goodness to our listeners. And so when I met you, I'm like, oh, I'm we can talk about productivity but then you started telling me how you wrote your book and text edit and i'm like oh wait a second this guy could be a guest on mac power users
2: (laughs) yeah TextEdit is one of the most underrated uh, writing applications, I think. I I can't think of many applications where you can have 70,000 words in one, maybe BB Edit and stuff like that, but like 70,000 words or 80,000 words in a document, the length of a book, and just be able to scroll so fluidly and grab that little scroll bar and uh, resize the window. It's very nice. But yeah, we could chat more about that in a bit
0: yeah yeah we'll get i want to talk about writing with you because I know there's a lot of different tools you've used um but i think before we get started I, are you still using the the g three i mean what what's your mac these days
2: <laughs> yeah no it's uh you can't see through it anymore uh it's it, it's a macbook pro thirteen inch i'm rocking from from last year the one with this keyboard that's not quite as good as the one that's currently out. It's broken three times oh uh, so far. And, and you know, I'm just kind of holding out for when... Um for when it breaks a fourth time, um, I've I've also got the iPad Pro, the 11 incher that I use whenever the the main MacBook Pro is in the shop. Oh, and and the graphics are flickering now on the lower third of, of the screen of the MacBook Pro. That's fine. Um it's fine. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. Just it's everything will be okay. I'm sure everything's okay with this laptop. Um, I actually contacted contacted Apple because like. I've never had issues like this for any other Apple product. Every iPhone's been good. Every desktop before this has been good. Every laptop before this has been good. And I said, like, do you have some sort of uh, lemon policy, like where a, a computer breaks enough times that you'll just replace it for a new one. You know, the broken keyboard three times, the graphics flickering and all that. And they said no. Um, but yeah, that's, that's my main workstation. And it's usually hooked up to uh, an external monitor that, that doesn't flicker.
0: You know, it's funny. I feel like MPU is starting to feel like an AA meeting. Like every episode starts <laughs> with each guest saying, hi, my name is, and I have had X number of keyboards on my MacBook. yeah.
2: <laughs> keyboards anonymous there you go there, I just
0: show title just three and so you it's only one year old and you've got three keyboards yeah in it? Oh, goodness gracious. I
2: mean, like, I pound on the keys all day, and I, I eat when I'm at the computer, which might upset some people, but it just happens. Like, I'm a human being, and I work all day, and I eat when I work sometimes when I'm really into something. And, yeah, it's, uh, you know, you get the odd mushy key, you get the odd, uh, even after the compressed air, these
0: these keys, man, these keys. Man, they cannot come out with a new keyboard soon enough in no. my book. No. I it's like at least once a week somebody asks me if they should buy a laptop now and I have to tell them wait, just wait. And and the downside, you know, the, the rumor is that there's a sixteen inch and in a fifteen inch footprint, which is great, yeah. you know, more screen, awesome. smaller footprint. But and it's a the rumor is that it's going to have a new keyboard system that isn't going to, you know, need three replacements Suck. in a year. <laughs> yeah, I heard that. <laughs> but the uh you know, but what if you want a thirteen inch, yeah? You know?
1: Yeah, it seems like it's going to trickle down from the top, and that doesn't really help people who want to buy them for their kids going off to college.
0: Yeah, a good friend of mine just this week, he had to buy one for his wife, and it's like, I I hate giving advice with an asterisk, and I have to until Mm -hmm. they fix this.
2: Yep. Have you guys encountered any reliable statistics with regard to how what what proportion of these keyboards break?
1: I don't think there's anything out there that is definitive... If you if you look at some reporting like Casey Johnson and others who have really spent a lot of time with this, it seems like it is going down with each revision. Like I have the twenty nineteen, the year after yours, and mine. I don't use it every day, but it has been actually flawless. I haven't had a single issue. Hmm. But that's just like one person's experience, and you know, Apple doesn't really talk about these things. I think the fact that Apple released new laptops into the keyboard repair program, like here's a new computer, it's immediately covered by this thing. That to me tells enough of the story to say this isn't this isn't over yet.
0: It's just such a black eye. I mean, it's um, last year when Jason Snell did his year-end report card, I had given him a quote for it. It's like it was the first time I'd ever had been, you know, hesitant to recommend Apple hardware. Is because yeah. of this keyboard, and I don't. We have so many guests on the show that tell this story, so I I don't know what, you know, I I don't know what went wrong, but hopefully they fixed it. And I, I know it takes time to get that sorted out. Like you can't just say, okay, next week we're going to start shipping a new keyboard, but it's been long enough.
2: Yeah, yeah, and and the the number of. Uh, people who are kind of suffering in silence, the, the people who have this keyboard, the, the E key repeats every third or fourth time, and they just, you know, frustratingly go back and, and delete it each time. But, yeah, it's, it, you know, I, I feel people have focused on this so much, you know, especially yeah, when you no. get guests coming on and, you know, constantly complaining about the keyboard. But it really is a black eye. But, yeah, th- that's that's kind of my main driver right now.
0: All right. But you're, you're also using the iPad Pro. Yeah. And uh, did did you get a new iPhone?
2: I did. Yeah, I've got the uh, the Pro uh, Gold two fifty six no case, um, the case caseless, uh, just like case-y-less. and uh, so th- that's what I'm rocking. I I must say I went to the Apple Store to check out the the midnight green, and I can see why it's so polarizing. At least under those lights, it looked kind of like a bit swampy to me. That that was the one that I had pre ordered, so I, I ponied up for the gold one. And I've also th- this is a good year for uh, for Chris in terms of upgrades uh, because I got the new apple watch that i'm rocking with the pride band right now and loving that too
0: yeah i i really like the green iphone i mean it reminds me of yoda <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's the way to your heart
0: yeah it is, it is. Uh, what do you think of does it can you tell a difference with that new camera system
2: Oh, I definitely can. I, I'm coming from the iPhone eight. Um, I, I usually I don't like to upgrade every year because I feel it's like it, it's kind of a weird habit to get into spending. In in my case, can, I spend Canadian dollars, so about two thousand Canadian dollars every year. It's, it just seems unnecessary. So I, I try to uh, take a phone and drive it into the ground. And so I'm I'm hoping that there's. It seems to be like there's more of a movement of people now who say, "Okay, I have this phone." the year-over-year improvements are kind of leveling off. They're, maybe they're a bit steeper in terms of processing power and raw horsepower of the phone, uh, camera systems getting qu- quite a bit better. But, you know, the phone I have is is pretty good. And, and so, you know, the iPhone 8 isn't the, the oldest phone in the world. But uh, I, And plus, it's more satisfying to make a bigger jump up. Like when you purposefully uh, deprive yourself of an upgrade for a year or two or three, and then you get the latest one, it's like, wow my entire digital life has, has just changed um, but I'm having a blast with the wide angle <laughs> lens and, and uh, d- uh, night mode I've never used night mode on, on the Pixel uh, but it's, uh, it's, it's so cool just to point it into a, a seemingly dark room and the camera grasps at w- whatever photons of light it can capture in that moment and, and create a picture out of it it's,
0: it's pretty neat technology I still haven't accepted that that's a possibility to me. You know, it's like, we'll yeah. go. I was out in the dark the other day and we were with with some friends and I'm like, well, I can't take a picture now. My wife's like, well, what about your fancy new camera? I'm like, oh yeah, oh. <laughs> I can take a picture. <laughs> Wait a sec.
2: Yeah, your muscle memory has to change a little bit. It's it's uh, yeah. It's um, I, I had a kind of a, a Sony RX is it RX one hundred RX a uh-huh. thousand. What, what, yeah, yeah. What, what, however uh, many digits are after the the one, and I, I returned it. I you know is because I, I, I think this this phone camera isn't that good, but especially with the um, the deep fusion stuff coming up in in the, in the the latest betas and it's it's promising where things are going. Where you know what you know you have to start questioning what is a picture anymore if if this camera is taking like twenty seven photos every time I press the shutter button and combining those and reconstructing reality, you know, in a way that the RX one hundred or thousand whatever the heck it is does. But it's uh, it's it's pretty exciting. Like this is the most exciting thing I find about being a nerd is when you are at the edge of what's possible um, and you kind of look out. Down into the wilderness to think. Okay, where do things go from here? How can this phone get any more powerful? How can the cameras get any better? How how can they make all of this happen in such a a tiny form factor? That's the most exciting part about being a nerd is seeing the trajectory of where things are going, especially when they're not really slowing down in in, in terms of a lot of these features.
0: I I'm really happy with the new phone. I'll tell you one thing is. The more I look at this clear case on the phone, the more I dislike it. It just doesn't look good in a clear case.
1: I don't know. I've never been a big clear case person because any debris that gets in there shows up and I would just be taking it off and cleaning it repeatedly, which I have better things to do with my time, I guess, than than manage that. But are you a case person? Uh, I should be. Uh, <laughs> my, I, I spoke recently on the show about how many phones I've broken over the past years, which is oh, yeah, very yeah. embarrassing. I generally have mine in, uh, the black leather case from Apple, but there are times that it's not in there and, you know, uh, it kind of depends on maybe what I'm wearing or what I'm doing. You know, some things, you know, like shorts, you know, pockets don't really work. It's just going to fly out. You got to have a case in it
2: in that situation. Everything just falls out of po- short
1: pockets. That's right. I live in That's the South. Well it's it's, yeah. it's short weather here, like nine months out of the year, so... It's nice to have the option, but yeah, the clear case definitely isn't for me. I'm not, I wasn't tempted by it at all.
0: All right. My phone is now free. I just took it out.
2: Yes. Although I felt
0: the clear case is so stiff. It felt like I was going to break my phone (laughs) taking it out of the clear case, but oh yeah, it's much better. Okay.
2: You sound like a different man right now. I must say. You sound free. You sound, I did. It's yeah. it's
0: changed everything. You
2: know, you've you've been living in California for for quite some time, but you haven't really had that free spirit. I can feel it in your voice now, though.
0: And, you know, traditionally I do go with it with no case, <laughs> but I thought, well, this year, well, they made a clear one. I'll just do that, and no, I don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, Chris, something you do on your watch that I have to talk to you first, you got the new watch too. You, it was just a, a good year for Chris. You got all the new things, yes, um, yeah. but you don 't put any notifications on your watch
2: zero well one j- just for um, for phone calls, and so it's it 's kind of helpful to to um, answer phones from your wrist, but like I, I, I study distraction for a living sure and so and, and this is kind of like a weird weird line that I walk is okay I, I, like a lot of uh, nerds listening to the podcast like some of us are really into productivity and some of us like many of us are also really really into technology and so those two worlds overlap in terms of uh, the workflows that we have the applications that we use all of the ways that technology can support our life uh, but the are also, in my eyes, and everybody's mileage may, may, may vary, um, the times that technology gets in the way... Of living our life. And and so we're having a a conversation and then our watch makes a sound, it vibrates and it pulls our attention away from that conversation. It kind of chops that moment into a couple different bits instead of one uh, meaningful experience. And like we get back on track pretty quickly, but it still does detract from the meaning of that experience in my opinion. And so I I said, okay, I'm going to start instead of the defaults for for this device, uh, I'm going to start with zero. And ask myself, okay, what notifications when I go about my day, when I go about my life, would I actually like to have? And, and I found that I really didn't want. Any of them. I, I didn't want to get text message notifications. I didn't want to get uh, Snapchat notifications because I'm of, of the millennial demographic. I, I didn't want to get uh, notifications from all the different apps on my phone. Um, but the phone call one is pretty handy when your phone's in another room and your AirPods happen to be, you know, you can transfer over the, the signal to, to the watch um, or just. Call it from the other room. Uh, that's a handy one to have. I, I did lie. I also have notifications for Uber. But besides that, it's kind of a fitness device for me. You know, the, I, I my main watch face, um, you know, th- th- throughout most of the day is um, is one where I have the activity as front and center. In the evening, I switch to, to to the nautical face, and it's just nice. It's freeing. You get to immerse yourself in the moment, and, and so I think we need that kind of deliberateness when it comes to uh, to our devices how do you guys manage your watch notifications maybe you've talked about it on the show but I'm curious
0: well I'm I'm very stingy about notifications in general I yeah. I barely let any on my phone and even fewer get to my watch but I do let notifications through to my watch I mean there are there are certain people that make it through How about you Stephen
1: no I'm about the same I have a few things come to my watch we have a little a few more come to the phone most of the time if an app asks for notifications my default is no you can't you can't interrupt me yeah i do really wish that it was just smarter about what i want on uh, on the watch you know you have the vip system in mail i'd like to see that become a universal thing so like if my yeah business partner sends me a slack message let me know but if some other person i work with does maybe don't let me know within like these certain hours i mean it feels like That would be a complicated system to maintain, but putting the power in our hands to really decide what lights up the watch would make it a a more personal product for everybody.
2: Yeah, I, I think it's kind of the next step with the digital health stuff. Um you know, screen time is one thing, that's fantastic. Um, but it, the the fact of the matter is like our, our phone so often chops our life into tiny little chunks of time because we we go from a meaningful conversation or even recording a podcast perhaps to uh checking our email or, or poking around on our phone. We do the same throughout the day. Um and it really does kind of, you know, pull us out of the moment. But you know, that said. It also is this incredible support. So I think it's like anything that interrupts us throughout the day, it's like worth bringing some deliberateness to the control that we have over that. And, you know, the defaults, I think, are wrong.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's an interesting thing you talk about because as nerds, we embrace technology but technology in a large part is responsible for this attack on focus and how yeah. people cannot stay focused and i i mean i believe that's such a problem i made a podcast about it but the you know this idea that you can like laser in for 2 hours and get your work done i think is a much harder thing to do than it used to be and and technology does play a role in that but i think also technology can play a role in in fixing that problem too
1: yeah i think so <laughs> This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you by 1Password. I love 1Password not only because I can keep things like logins and bank accounts and secure notes safe and sound, but I can keep them with me wherever I go. 1Password for iOS is a huge part of that. And with version 7.4 out just a few weeks ago, they are completely ready for iOS 13 complete with the support for dark mode, which looks really good. In fact, they've added a special dark app icon. It looks spectacular. Support for voice control and better support for documents. So with 1Password 7.4, you can create documents from the camera roll or pick a file from the files app. So if you have, for instance, a secure note and you need to have a PDF in there, it's really easy to import now on 1Password on your iPhone or iPad with iOS 13. Another great feature of 1Password is 1Password for families, so you can keep logins, credit card information, all sorts of stuff uh, safe, but still shared with your family members. And you can have a different vault for maybe you and your significant other, and another vault for that kid going off to college. They have access to things as well. 1Password for families has totally changed security in my household for the better. So head on over to one mpu to learn more and to sign up for a free 30-day trial. When you do sign up, you'll get twenty percent off at onepassword.com/mpu. You mentioned earlier you have an eleven-inch
2: iPad Pro. How does that fit into your world? It, it is my mobile work machine. Because the fact of the matter is, when your screen is flickering, when your keyboard isn't really working, (laughs) it's ironic because I I I tried to make the uh, 11 inch iPad a sort of substitute uh, machine for my MacBook Pro, and so uh, I tried to mirror all the apps. I I switched over to an app called Bear for writing, uh, for for that that I'm experimenting with now, and and I switched my workflows on the Mac so that uh, a similar application existed. That, that could uh, you know that that could uh, let me pick up right where I left off on the ipad but it, it's it's really really nice it, it's it, I- I, I, I have a hard time articulating what makes the iPad so wonderful to work on. But I, I think it ultimately comes down to uh, intimacy. It might be a, kind of a weird word to use with technology, but when, when you have that high refresh rate screen, when you have the ability to reach out and touch and manipulate anything on the screen, and especially with iOS 13, with, uh, with the new window management and the, the greater kind of uh, me- mental dexterity that you can walk into using these devices with, it's it's really nice. It's just a pleasurable, more pleasurable uh, experience than sitting down in front of a computer and having that sort of cock, a cockpit mentality where there are a bunch of widgets in the menu bar to tell you how your processors are doing, where you have this big screen, where, where you have uh, this kind of, uh, you know, more abstract level of control with regard to managing windows and and managing the interfaces on it and and so that's where it kind of fits in Uh, it's a substitute for the mac when i want to uh kind of hunker down and get more involved and i want that portable uh portable device i don't know if that makes any sense at all but it's just like when i want to have more fun using technology I, i pick up the ipad instead of the mac
0: yeah i feel like it's more delightful yeah
2: It is. It is. And and so much of that, I think, is... Sometimes it's a little slower, but it's more delightful. Yeah, you enjoy it. You you kind of enjoy the process a bit more.
1: I think your point about switching to applications that allow you to move back and forth easily is a really interesting one. That's where I often struggle. when When I'm working in my office, I want to take my iPad out to the coffee shop and go and do some work. That's always kind of where it falls down for me is that, oh, I have like this set of tools that I, I've used in my Mac for 100 years, and some of them have iPad equivalent, some don't. Uh, for me, the the uh, an example of this is my text editor of choice on the Mac is ByWord, but I use one writer on the iPad, and that's fine because I sync all my text files on Dropbox, so Dropbox is sort of the layer in between, but if Dropbox wasn't there or... Or something happened and it was down. I don't have something that moves fluidly across, like Bear or, or One Writer, I think, or not One Writer, IA Writer is another good example of this, or just stores everything in iCloud and it could have a library of documents, Ulysses, all these other writing apps do this. And I feel like if you really want to give this a shot of moving fluidly between the platforms, your point about finding apps that make that easier is one that people should should think about because it could be a little frustrating otherwise.
2: I think you could even go so far as to say that you should compromise your experience on the Mac a little bit. So that you can have a better experience overall uh, in terms of being able to switch between devices, so you can you know capture an idea on your Apple watch and uh, capture it on your phone when you 're on the go, but you can also just bring your iPad with you on a trip um, so you don 't have to have that Mac, but you can kind of use whichever one you want uh, th- This is why I switched to SimpleNote note for all my notes and simple note I think it 's made by automatic the the company that uh, that operates wordpress yeah and it, it's a it 's a wonderful app- application just for capturing ideas throughout the day. That's exactly how I use it. And it's on every device. Uh, Bear is how I have a kind of a medium-sized writing project right now that I'm working on uh, for, for Audible, which is an audiobook site. They have kind of an Audible Originals program, and I'm writing one of those. And it, it's it's smaller than a regular book, but that means I can try out and experiment with new things. So I'm writing that in, in Markdown and Bear. And so so it's not as pleasant, I think. I, I think there are compromises to make, Cause, just because I love text edit so much, but there's no text edit for the iPad or, or for the iPhone, even though there is the occasional leaked screenshot that shows an internal uh, version of text edit that is Presumably used at Apple, um, that occasionally pops up and gives me some glimmer of hope. But it's it's just like it, it, it's so uh, it, it's such a better experience overall. And so it's maybe like we're a bit more attached to the Mac than we need to be in a world where it doesn't matter which device we pick up.
1: It's a it's a really interesting way of framing it. As someone who is Mac centric, I
2: I sort of winced a little bit. But I think there's a lot of truth in what you're saying. <laughs> no, I can totally see that. You know, we we kind of have. Our habits, and I found myself falling into this. And you know, the, the key constant keyboard troubles on this on this laptop have kind of been a blessing in disguise because it's gotten me thinking. Okay, I'm going to need to bring this laptop in for repair. We don't have an Apple store in the small town uh, in Canada where I where I live. At we have uh, you know one of those authorized uh, third third party places, but right. they usually need to take it for a week or two. And so it gets me thinking. Okay. These are the workflows that I have on the Mac. How can I adapt those to these other devices? And on the other side of those, Uh, you know, those dozen small transitions where, okay, I can't really write in text that I have to write in bear, but it's creating a better experience overall when it's kind of like, it's kind of like you're playing four devices at the same time instead of like four instruments at the same time, instead of playing with one, but everything kind of flows beautifully and you can create better music because of it. Man, that's, that's such a complicated analogy, but that's what it feels like. It really does feel it that way when, okay, I have the bear complication on my Apple watch. I can press it. I can capture it note, and then when I sit down in front of the iPad or the Mac or the phone to continue writing where I left off because everything is in sync, I can k- take that idea and bring it somewhere else. And you would never get that uh, with text edit. And so there is kind of, uh, w- when there is that internet layer that ties everything um, together, it's, it's so uh, worth uh, coming up with some, some solutions that uh, are, are platform agnostic. Mm-hmm. Not platform agnostic, but device agnostic.
0: Sure. But the point that you make, and I think it's one really worth consideration, is having Dropbox as a backbone is not enough. You know, uh, going between different applications, that can work, but it's fiddly. And like, I remember when the iPad first came out, I desperately wanted Scrivener to be on iPad. So much so that I contacted the developer and, and using his money, because he's in England, I um I bought an iPad for him because they weren't available in the UK at the time. And I, I shipped it to him using his money. I mean, I didn't, I didn't want it that bad. Um, but anyway, so I tried, but I wanted him to like fall in love with it. So he would make this version. And for a while, there was this really goofy system where you would press a button and it would like sync, text files between a Scrivener database and something on Dropbox, and then you would be able to open them. But if you open them both in the same place at the same time, everything, you know, went, went up in flames. And it was like a, it was a mess. But I did that for like a year or two because that was the best I could do. Well, now you have an abundance of riches. There are things like Bear, Ulysses, Apple Notes. I mean, we didn't mention Apple Notes, but Apple Notes does this. fantastic. You know, so yeah. um, there's all the, and I think having it be app-based if you really don't want to worry about it, I think that's probably the best way. Cause there is something to be said to just know you can rely on that data being there no matter where you go. And um uh you know, everybody makes fun of me because I work some days in uh Galaxy's Edge in Disneyland, you know? I just go with my wife. It's pretty cool. I do wear a lightsaber while I do it. Yeah. I'm the I'm the grown man walking around with a lightsaber on my belt. But but I open up, uh, I just find a shady place, open up the iPad and go into Apple Notes or Ulysses or whatever app I'm working in and everything's there. And it it really feels like living in the future when it works like that.
2: And something that has made this so much better for me especially in iOS 13 is when you're tethering to your iPhone which of course you can do anywhere um, there there's the low uh, data mode that automatically kicks in and so no uh, background updates get downloaded uh, i don 't even think background applications can can use data when, when that mode's enabled and it's it's great because if you're working in bare it's constantly syncing to the to the cloud and so you can pick up any other device and, and pick up right where you left off, and it might use I don't know a megabyte an hour, however, however much Bear uses, and so it's it's such a I think that's one of the most underrated features in iOS 13 is that low data mode, especially when it kicks in automatically with tethering.
1: So we uh, we mentioned this earlier. We have to talk about this because I can't I can't stop thinking about it. Oh, right. you you are perhaps oh, no. the biggest text edit fan on the internet. Wow, <laughs> I think for a lot of people. TextEdit is just like one of those apps that comes on your Mac that you use. Oh, hell no! Accidentally, right? But you love it, and I'm curious if you could spread the good news about TextEdit to our
2: listeners. Yes, I, I am here. I, I am here on the podcast on behalf of TextEdit. Um, it's uh, I, I'm TextEdit's biggest fan. Um, it's uh, it's something I've been using for many many years. I write every blog post that I create. I write in TextEdit. Uh, I've written two mass market books so far entirely. In text edit, um, and I, I love it for countless, countless reasons. First of all, you click the doc icon and you get a window. You get a window, and you have a cursor, and you can start typing, and it's it's wonderful. And you can re- like th- these are things that. I take for granted right now, but that window can be a tiny little postage stamp on the screen, or it can be the size of your entire screen, and the text automatically flows uh, to take up the entire space. But yet, it's so lightweight that everything flows uh, smoothly. And, and there's this beautiful outlining mode. Um, I, I'm sure a lot of the, the the folks listening knows about it, but let me uh, let let me re-describe it just in case somebody needs a reminder. Uh, you're in text edit. And you need to get a bulleted kind of kind of list. You just tap Option Tab, and you automatically get a bullet. And you can start typing. You can enter. You can tab again. You can do Shift Tab. There's that beautiful. Um, in addition to this, that Alt. Uh, text selection where you hold down the alt key and you get a sort of vertical a a mode where you can select text vertically and so when you're moving uh, a lot of data a lot of writing between applications if I capture an idea in simple note I can drag that over if it's in a bulleted list I can just hold down alt select all the bullets in that in in that one column of text press delete and then boom select all that press um, you know option tab I don't know if anybody's following or listening to podcast anymore, but this is just, it's so uh, frictionless, Uh, you know, the keyboard, text selection, uh, you know, you can do this in every application where you press uh, Alt-Shift and all the arrow keys, but... I find it's, it's especially nimble in text that it's zero launch time, you can, uh, the, the way that I love to write, I have a 27-inch monitor here, um, I like to put the outline of the book that I'm working on on the entire left side of the page, and the book that I'm writing on the entire right side of the page, and I crank up the font size on the the text that I'm writing because it makes me feel like I'm writing more, <laughs> even though I'm, the text is just bigger. It, it's kind of like this weird, stupid mind trick that I like to play on myself, but it really does uh, work. And, well, you're, it's you're just... lighting
0: up more pixels, so you must be working harder
2: yeah that's productivity, right? Just doing more um, yeah. so so yeah, filling up the screen um, just you know capturing these screenfuls of text like um, like you know how when you read a book on the Kindle and you zoom in on like the the largest size of text possible that's what my screen looks like um, there's um I, I don't know the technical word there's like a shell script that 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 I have where uh, I press command. Option, control C, and it gives me an instant word count for that document because it's so lightweight that you can't really count the number of words inside of text edit. Um, and it's just so lightweight. I, I don't really do any formatting. I don't put images in in the book that I'm writing. I kind of just reference images out elsewhere. And it's wonderful. It's so lightweight and it's so nimble and I think that's what I love the most. I, so many people get cut up in in okay, I'm going to write a a thing and so I, I need a distraction-free writing environment. I, I want an application that takes over my computer and shows me one line at a time, and everything so simple when really, you know, the best way, A, to write is to have a deadline, but B, uh, when, when you do have that deadline, you need something simple uh, just to be able to capture thoughts, and I find that there's nothing simpler that I love using more than, than text edit.
1: Now, well, you're, you're writing these, these really long pieces in text edit. Are you doing so in plain text or using its rich text format? Are you doing markdown? What, what? How are you styling your text? I, I just do rich text,
2: and, and I, I have kind of a system that I use for myself. Every subhead is is sixteen uh, point font. Uh, every header is twenty two point font. I usually break down. I usually have like three or four um, individual documents for a book. So a book, if a book is about two hundred fifty pages, it, it, that's about seventy to eighty thousand words for for a typical uh, nonfiction book which is what I write and so yeah it's it's just very very simple I, I have a system that I use I usually write in 14 point font because the resolution that I that I use on the uh, on the MacBook Pro is quite dense and, and but I can't really see things at that size even though the web and everything else looks better uh, and so that's that's the, what I usually
0: do so now as much as you love text edit you're using bear for this other project right now yeah and yeah this How'd you get there, and, and are you staying there?
2: Hmm that 's a good question i don 't know if i 'm going to stay here, but now that i 'm here it 's it 's a very comfortable place to be um, and, and so the system that I used to use before because I, I just like simple text um, it, it doesn 't need to be plain text, but it should be you know relatively simple that 's why I love simple notes so so much uh, this is why I love text edit so much because it just you know the the best do- design as they say is totally invisible i don 't even notice that i 'm using text edit because it 's that simple. Um, but Bear Bear is kind of a, a curious case because I feel it's it was designed by people that think like. I do, and so it syncs between everything I, I, I love writing in, in markdown on that um, the The tough part i, I don 't really like writing in markdown and text edit because there 's just so much extra to type when you have all the muscle memory of of um, rich text embedded in your head and especially selecting text everywhere but i 'm really liking it, especially the sync across devices. Uh, I can pick up anywhere if i 'm writing on my iPad, say at a coffee shop or in my office or on an airplane. Um I, I can it, as long as it's synced I could just take my phone and if I'm in the car afterwards and I have an idea or or a thought on how to continue something I can open up that chapter that I was just working on and continue typing away at it and capture thoughts and I, 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 it just syncs so beautifully between everything there it, it's hard not to love it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I get it. So but yeah. and it's funny cuz it still it sounds like TextEdit does a better job for you your mac
2: oh absolutely yeah if Text said it was available on the on the iphone on the ipad forget about it i would write that way every single day but it's not so i don't fingers crossed for your future i guess <laughs> <laughs> you you guys have seen those those screenshots though right oh yeah a, a
1: couple yeah. years ago it was like a, oh here's the here's the icon it's definitely coming this year and it, it
2: never happens Never happens, never quite arrives. Maybe, maybe iOS 14. If there's only one feature, one new feature in iOS 14, uh, text edit support, I, I will be, you know, I, I will be a happy man. We'll have to have <laughs> you
0: back in that case.
2: And everybody else will be very disappointed.
0: <laughs> well, it's it, it, there's just so many apps for writing now. I, I wonder if the, um, the effort, renewed effort they put in Apple Notes was enough to put the kibosh on them releasing Text Edit.
2: Yeah, they they seem to have doubled down on that, haven't they? Especially with collaboration. That's kind of my main place where I do collaborative notes, and so I have a list of my travel dates, and so I don't really keep too close track of where I'll be traveling to and when or else I'd go crazy but every every week or two I look at the dates that I'm going to be in different cities and and that's a collaborative note that I have with other people uh, my wife and I have a note for uh, all our games of cribbage that we've played um, before we capture them into a spreadsheet that charts who's uh, statistically significantly better and just like kind of random notes for capturing ideas especially with the Apple pencil like what a what a beautiful feature you have an idea on the go tap the screen you get a note uh, that that comes up that you can capture anything that you want. It's uh, yeah, a combination of simple note notes and text edit. That's my ideal workflow on on any platform.
0: <laughs> I'm not sure if I should ask this question, but so you and your wife are statistically tracking between you, which one's the better cribbage player?
2: You've opened up a can of worms, uh, David Sparks. But yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's true. It's true. We've uh, so we've been together for seven or eight years. And we love playing cribbage. And, and she has her degree in data science. Oh, and okay. so she's perhaps <laughs> okay. a, a bigger nerd nerd than I am. And so we have a, a spreadsheet, an Excel sheet of every single game of cribbage that we've played. And who is statistically significantly better, which uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy to announce here officially on the podcast that I'm the better cribbage player but she's the one who programmed the spreadsheet in the first place so who's the the real winner right yeah. maybe she is
0: <laughs> yeah. i'm sorry that just that tickled me that's that's really great <laughs> but the uh, uh, uh one last point on this you know i can never get off the topic of text on this show but the um you like bear have you thought about just trying apple notes as the you know the be everywhere writing app for you because it does rich text, which it sounds like you you have some desire to use that, and it it is everywhere.
2: Honestly, no, and I, I can't really see myself ever using it to write the book. And you know, please replay that comment for me, three years down the line when I'm writing the next book in Apple Notes. But I I, I don't see it that way. It doesn't fit into my mind that way is this long form writing app. And I think the main reason is I don't trust it. Um, There have been so many syncing issues with notes that I've experienced in the past uh, where notes, you know, these conflicting notes and notes disappearing and I need to be able to trust uh, an application for me to to rely on it every single day. And Maybe that's why I love TextEdit so much. Maybe I'm just so risk averse that I use TextEdit but I I haven't found anything really better than that. And TextEdit it won't up and vanish. It's, it's not gonna make a note disappear like some syncing issue on, on Apple Notes would. And you know, it's it's gotten so much better that I don't even know if that's worth complaining about. Maybe I'd think about it totally differently if I needed to create a new workflow from scratch today, but I just don't think about it that way. And I think it's because of that issue of trust. Um, you know, I've I've been a Mac user since I've been you know, since I was a young teenager. And I've you know, been through the the .max syncing issues, the iCloud syncing issues, and it's so much better now, but, um, like, I, I just don't trust it.
0: No, that makes sense. And, and also, the thing about it is, moving that cursor from left to right is one of the hardest things, you know. And Finding an app that gives you a little bit of delight, that, that feels easier to work with, like that, you know, kind of the goofy thing you do with the outline and the big text. that, But it works for you. And I think everybody needs to find that combination if they're going to do serious writing. Because you can't have this stuff getting in the way. You've got to just, you know, get it organized, find something that makes it fun to work in for you, and then do the really hard stuff.
2: And, and this is something that I've kind of learned myself over the course of many years listening to podcasts about different writing workflows and what works well for some people like don't listen to me you know it might be entertaining to to listen to what some productivity nerd you know does for his workflows but like look at look at what applications you love you know and this is something that again i've learned the hard way I, i i've listened i can't count how many episodes of Mac power users and uh, articles of, of workflows and the sweet setup articles that I've listened to and thought, okay, I'm going to do that for a while. But then I just settle back into working the same way before. And it's, I, I think that's something that I think we should all do is just kind of stick with what we're doing and build upon that. Because sometimes that's the best uh, strategy is just sticking with what we're familiar with. <laughs>
0: This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Text Expander. Visit Textexpander.com slash podcasts to learn more and get 20% off your first year. Text Expander is the productivity app that I use every day. I love it because I've got all this automation built into Text Expander. It doesn't just expand short bits of text like my cellular phone number or directions to my house. It also does really advanced things that Mac Power users are going to love, like Apple Script support. So I can automatically address emails or the fill in fields when you're doing form emails. And you can just type in a name and it does the rest of the work for you. The Gagant smile has been hard at work for Text Expander for iPad and iPhone. It now supports dark mode and more of those cool iOS 13 features. And with Text Expander for Teams, you can unify your organization's voice with shared snippets. And I do that at my Mac Sparky Empire. My assistant has access to the snippets. We have shared accounts, and it's awesome. With the teams, you can manage who sees what snippets by different groups or departments, so customer support and sales just see the snippets they need. And you can make everything you write repetitively available everywhere you type. Text documents, spreadsheets, web forms, and more. For example, my billing for my legal practice is done through a web service, and every month I just go in there and do all of the introductory email stuff to the clients, all with Text Expander, right in Safari. And best of all, it's available for Mac OS, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, and iPad. And if you're a show listener, you get 20% off your first year. Just go to textexpander.com slash podcast to learn more about TextExpander and let them know you heard about it here on the Mac Power Users to get that 20% discount. Once again, that's textexpander.com slash podcast and tell them you heard about it here on the Mac Power Users. So Chris, in addition to writing, you've had some success, which means people want you to come talk to them as well. And um, when we were on the phone last, you were telling me about all the trips you take, and and you do quite a bit of speaking. I wanted to take a minute to talk about that. You know, how do you prep for that? What's the workflow for going and giving a speech somewhere?
2: I I just wing it every time. Oh, is that it? No, I you know I, I make a deliberate effort to look at the elements of my work where I deliver unique value. And there aren't many things, I must be honest, that I deliver unique value through. Uh, you know, writing is one of them, doing research on productivity, you know, looking at the science behind productivity, which not enough people do. And speaking is, is a third one. And, and so everything else kind of supports my work. Um, and, and by the way, I think this is, like, for a productivity strategy, one of the best that somebody could ever do ever, um, you, you know, is go somewhere quiet, go to a coffee shop, get a nice fancy drink, and, and on a piece of paper in front of you, make a list of all the activities you do over the course of a given month. And don't leave anything out, everything big, everything small, get it onto the sheet of paper in front of you. Then ask yourself this question, uh, if I can only do one thing on this list, day in, day out, every single damn day, uh, which one of these allows me to accomplish the most? Which one of these makes the biggest difference? Which one of these makes the biggest contribution? Uh, For me, the answer is writing. Uh, Then, okay, then you get a second one, that you can do all day. For for me, the second one's research. Um, then you can do a third thing. So you can only do these three things all day. And for me, that one's speaking. And usually your marginal productivity falls off of a cliff after about two, three, uh, four different tasks. And, and so like that's a good way to define your tasks and define what's actually important. But the thing about speaking, and, and the reason I mention this tactic is, like, there are so many administrative things that have to happen around giving giving a talk. And, and I know you do some uh, speaking yourself, David, and you guys have the live shows. You probably know that a live show is an hour, it's an hour and a half, but there are days and weeks of, of work leading up to those points. Um, and so I do make a deliberate effort to outsource the things that I can. Um, I'm fortunate enough to work with a couple of assistants that help me out with this stuff, that book travel, that uh, manage the logistics and and so that really does make the main thing in my workflow for speaking uh, making the slides because I like you know getting down and dirty in, in keynote one, one of the the best features of any Mac application is magic move in Keynote where it's a, it's a transition between two slides. And what it does is, is it looks at all the differences between the two slides and it elegantly transitions between them. And so you can make text grow and shrink between sizes. You can make images grow and shrink between. you could just move objects from one point of, of the screen to another uh, between slides, but the, yeah, the, the workflow is I get the contract for, for a talk. I have a pre event call with the person and then I, I Sit down um, usually at at my favorite coffee shop to to write down the the list of strategies that i 'm going to want to share with them um, and, and more workflows involve travel and, and kind of the ways that have automated that, but keynote definitely an app of choice. Um, the logitech spotlight clicker is probably one of the best. <clears throat> excuse me, clickers on the market today for, for transitioning between slides and highlighting different information in a slide. But it's, uh, yeah, it's something that I love doing. And, and so I have kind of that a little bit of a workflow around it.
0: I was at a, when um, you're at WWDC, I met with some of the iWork team. We had lunch together and we were just talking about, you know, things I do with iWork and what I like. And I, at one point, I said, everybody owes a beer to the guy who came up with Magic Move. Yes. And then a guy like two seats down from me just raises his hand and looks at me. <laughs> hero. You yeah, know, hero. Not all heroes wear capes, right? Yeah. That, he should have. He should have. Yeah, he should have. I, I, right before that came out, I was in the middle of a trial where there was water damage to a house and I had to animate water droplets going through a wall. And I spent hours oh. and hours animating each little water droplet. And then... We did the trial, then I went up to um, Macworld and they announced the new keynote and this magic move. And I just looked at that and went, wow, if I only had that last month, (laughs) you know, but but it, it, it,
2: it's it's honestly yeah one of the best features even for animating like a simple video for the web like forget about slideshows yeah what what about what about a screen recording where you, you just make a simple video I don't know if you use this in, in screencasts and stuff like that I do but it's it's so powerful I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah not surprised at all
0: yeah so so keynote is usually your weapon of choice. Um, and then, um, and then you've got your, your clicker and you're good to go. Uh, what about when you get to the event? How do you know? Like, I assume you bring your own Mac to the event.
2: Yeah. It's, it's in kind of the, um, like the the tech writer that I have, that I will bring my own laptop and I will never surrender the laptop at any point in the event (laughs) because, you know, who knows if you'll ever get the laptop back at that point. But I, I think like something that, would be curious to, to highlight is the travel um, because I, I'm on the road probably fifty sixty percent of the time, and one of the best things that somebody can who frequently travels um, quite a bit and I think they uh, they are a sponsor for this episode is a, is a text expander snippet with every uh, thing on your pack list and, and so what, what I do is I type p pack list and usually in text edit because it's the, the best uh, the best text application on the Mac <laughs> Yeah, okay. And, um, and so it pops up a little window, and you can program text that is snippets, of course, to ask you to input numbers in response to questions. And so it'll ask me, okay, how many days are you gone? And I'll type in five or six, and then it'll pre-populate um, all of the numbers of things that I could need to bring. So it'll pre-populate with five pairs of socks, five yeah. pairs of underwear, five sure. this, five that, five shirts, five, five uh, things. And, and what, what you do... On this text expander snippet is you make a list on that thing of every possible thing that you could want to bring on a trip. And then once it expands, you just delete the stuff that you won't need to bring. And yeah. in this way, you know, knock on bamboo, I, I haven't forgotten a single thing On any trip in the last three or four years, uh, just because, unless I accidentally delete it in this note by, by mistake. Um, and it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful system for never forgetting anything.
0: Or when you think of something new, you add it to the snippet. So it gets added to the next time you run the, run the snippet. Yeah, we we just did a whole episode on automators on, um, on packing lists. And that was one of the ideas was, Hey, why not just make a master list and then you can always pull from it for every trip. But the uh, idea of the text expander snippets, cool, you know? Um, Yeah. The uh, so you can insert your number. Nice. And then what about connecting your computer to these strange devices as you go on the road?
2: With strange device, what strange device? Like
0: the projectors, <laughs> you know.
2: Oh, yes, yes. The classic uh, USB C life. Um, yeah. I, I, I encountered somebody who was still using a, a DVI the other day. All right. Believe it or not. Wow. Not everybody, you know, there's a lot of people still on VGA. Did DVI come out after VGA? It's it after. Or,
1: yeah. yeah. It's had, okay. had a shorter life. VGA, Much shorter. Yeah. VGA is the cockroach of the. Uh, the I.O. <laughs> world. It will be the last to it die. It does
2: not leave... Yeah, it will. You know, it'll, it'll die after USB-C Type-A, it seems, at this rate. Um, but yeah, the, I, I just kind of bring every dongle underneath the sun. I actually bring two of every dongle because I don't trust dongles that I order from Amazon that are made by a company that I don't really understand. Uh, and so I bring two. Of, it's like Noah's Ark, but with dongles. Uh, two of every single dongle. Uh, I have two remotes. I have two chargers. Uh, it's two of everything underneath the sun. I have this dongle bed bag um, that, that I bring on every trip. I think I, did I text it to you, David? Yeah, David? We can put it in bag. the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody needs a dongle bag um, and it, you know, with, with everything that you could possibly need. Um, so yeah, it's. I think it's just a matter of having everything. And I've encountered pretty much every uh, tech Set set up underneath the sun. Sometimes you know you have a big auditorium, even with a couple thousand people, and you think there is no way this place is still using VGA. But sure enough, the time will come, and uh, they'll have a this old school VGA hookup.
0: I sometimes think the bigger they are, the more likely they are to use VGA. They're just so averse to risk. So um, so you've got everything packed up. You've got your dongle bag give us some travel tips you must with all that travel you must have some interesting ideas about getting around
2: oh man yeah this is my jab. it's something that I rarely talk about or, or write about but I've I've got tips on tips one of the um, you know really pay attention to what credit card you get. I, I think that's kind of one of the best tips that I can give. The The right credit cards will, A, give you a lot of miles for future trips so you can get them for free. Um, they'll allow you to board a bit early uh, so you don't have to you know, join the mad dash of people who are struggling to put their bags on top of the seats. Um, and it, it'll open up some lounges to you at, at airports. And I, I think one of the Most important calculations or or numbers that you can walk into any trip with is what is your time. Worth, and so this is this is a number that comes up often. So sometimes you'll be in an airport, and you probably won't get much focused work done in the terminal, waiting by a gate where a bunch of people and, and screaming children are, are running all around you. Uh, but maybe if you pony up and, and spend fifty bucks to, to go to a lounge where you can get a meal and you can do some focused work for for a few hours, if your time is worth it, if your time is say worth forty dollars an hour, and you can get three hours of work done, then it might be worth. Worth ponying up for that lounge, and so I think airport lounges more and more, and more people are kind of clue, cluing into them as something that is um, is um, is helpful in terms of productivity on the road. But I find that that's re- and also anticipating obstacles is another one uh, strategy that that I never. Uh, leave a trip without considering. And so the the thing about obstacles when it comes to our habits, so, so say you have like this new <clears throat> wonderful workout regimen that you're really into or you're really into a meditation regimen uh, or any, any other habit. But the thing about a trip is a triple basically throw all your habits up into the air, and you have to kind of scramble to pick them up after they fall back to the ground. And, and But they're, they're so easy to anticipate ahead of time. If you're on this healthy eating kick, what restaurants exist near the hotel? Can you book a hotel in kind of a trendy part of town where you can easily get some, some vegan takeout every day? Um, if you're really into a workout regimen, what hotels have a gym that, that you can hop down, and can you schedule time for that ahead of time so that when you're wiped and you're Trying to convince yourself and having this internal argument with yourself not to go, they can just kind of go down because he scheduled it ahead of time. Uh, anticipating these obstacles with regard to travel, I think, is one of the best. Strategies that you can walk into any trip with. And also, you know, having some empty days with regard to the travel days. And so realigning our work, if you have that kind of flexibility. Some of us have conference calls that we need to hop on um, in the midst of all this travel. But travel is this beautiful opportunity to uh, soak in ideas and talk to new people, especially in lounges. Everybody's up to something interesting. Um, and you can you can meet some when you have that space to ideate and to think about ideas. So my my strategy is to never schedule calls or interviews on days when I need to travel. I, I don't schedule any work, so I use things as a task manager. Um, I, I don't really schedule any tasks those days. They're wide open, and I bring a few books. I bring a notepad. I journal. I come up with ideas. And some of the best ideas for books and articles and, and talks and, and research studies that come up come from those periods of travel where there's just that, that whiteboard Space. I think aligning the days where you have white space in your schedule on the days when you have the travel, because A, you might be a bit more wiped than you would regularly be having to rush and and change the pace of of your movement so much to run for planes and and then wait for another. Um, You know, you, you get to be kind to yourself a little bit. But while you accomplish more, perhaps by doing some creative work, too.
0: You know, it's funny you say that because I just, I have a, I'm speaking next year at an event and I just recently made my travel arrangements and I booked myself in an entire day early at the hotel and I was going to treat it as like a retreat day. It's a, uh, it's in New Orleans. I'd never you know been to New Orleans. I thought, well, that'd be a nice day. Go find a quiet place and think about things and um, i 've never done it before, so i 'm really looking forward to trying that out, so figure i 'm there. yeah and sometimes you need to be
2: really defensive of that time don 't you, because everybody 's asking for your time people want people just want to chat they, they want to give you work to do, and you probably have a lot on your plate, so it seems like like the exact wrong inks, instinct that you can have is to say okay today i 'm doing nothing, uh, but the fact of the matter is most people usually don 't care as much as you <laughs> think they do. <laughs>
1: It's a good life lesson all over the place, really. This episode of MPU is brought to you by Eero. Eero is a game changer because it means being able to access your internet from anywhere in your house. There's always that one room with unreliable Wi-Fi connection, or maybe you're out in the yard and and dropping off the network, or maybe you're trying to catch up on YouTube videos and have to deal with buffering. Well, Eero blankets your whole home with fast, reliable Wi-Fi, eliminating poor coverage, dead spots, and buffering you'll get a consistently strong signal wherever you need it. I've had Eero in my house for a couple of years now, and it's spectacular to know wherever I am in the house, or in my case, out in the yard, that I'm going to get fast, reliable connection to my network for file sharing and, of course, anything out on the internet. Eero is the Wi-Fi that you and your home deserve, giving you consistently, constantly strong signal wherever you need it. There's an all-new Eero base station starting at just $99. It sets up in just a few minutes. Just plug it straight into your modem or router box, and you can manage it from the super simple iPhone app, which lets you do cool stuff like pause the Wi-Fi when everyone's at the dinner table, or get alerts when a new device tries to join your network. Eero simply fixed all my Wi-Fi problems. No more dead spots. No more buffering. If you're sad about your Wi-Fi right now, I have good news because you can fix it as soon as tomorrow Go to Eero.com slash MPU and enter the code MPU at checkout for free overnight shipping with your order. That's E E R O.com, Eero.com slash MPU, and the code MPU at checkout to get your Eero delivered with free overnight shipping. Our thanks to Eero for their support of this show and Relay FM. So, Chris, you're, you're a writer, you're doing these presentations, traveling the world with your dongle bag. Uh, You make me sound so important, man. i know not that important. You are important. Uh, But you also are part of a small business. And I'm curious what sort of tools you're using there with your business and your team and how how that looks.
2: Yeah. So for tasks, I I think I mentioned it very briefly. I I love using things. It's one of these applications that, you know, maybe it's not as powerful as some other solution that doesn't sync between everything. But, you know, if you're on the road and you know you have an apple watch with you it 's beautiful to to fire up things and press the little microphone button to capture something new into your inbox it 's just one of these things where if you 're in that walled that beautiful, luscious walled garden that that Apple provides us all, um, y- you can easily um, kind of find yourself working across devices with that so that 's what i use and, and, and as a general rule, I try not to do too many things on a daily basis because if i 'm trying to do twenty things throughout the day. Uh, um, not all of those have equal importance, usually. Maybe 15 of those are something that can be delegated or eliminated or or just kind of things that I can say no to in the first place. And, and so things, I usually have probably five or six things that I do every day that usually are focused tasks. They're writing, they're researching, um, they're coming up with a presentation, they're, they're something along those lines. But um, I, I love using things for managing tasks. And I just use Apple Mail for, for email. And I love having I have an autoresponder on every single email account uh, that I have that says you know to to in order to do some focused work, I check my email every day or two and if you need anything important, please contact these uh, people depending on what you need and so that kind of manages expectations for that and I, I use fantastical because it's again it 's one that 's available for every platform underneath the sun so it 's very very simple uh, I think you know the email system that I use incredibly lightweight. The task management system that I use, lightweight, calendar, very, very lightweight. And, you know, as you can imagine, I write about productivity. And so, a lot of people uh, say, okay, you write about productivity, would you like to review this productivity application for managing tasks or for a calendar or, or for email? Those are kind of the three main ones that, that are productivity centric. But I find myself coming back to, to these solutions because instead of looking for uh, a hack to do email better, I want to look for a hack to do email less. And, and so that's where I direct my focus so I can, so I can do more uh, focused work throughout the day.
0: Now I'm I'm curious about that autoresponder. So every email that comes in gets an email. Immediately back from you saying, "Hey, I'm busy. I don't always read it every day."
2: Yeah, and it's always a different excuse. So, so right now, um, it's uh, I'm deep in a writing project. But then, once I'm done with this writing project, it'll be. Uh, I'm so sorry. I'm deep in uh, in some. He- now everybody knows my secret, but I feel you know the productivity nerds will just listen to this one. Um, <laughs> but if I'm in a heavy period of travel, I, I put that in. If I'm taking a vacation, I, I put that in. Sorry, so like I'm taking some of my own advice right now now I'm disconnecting for the vacation if you need anything please email uh, Louise who, who manages a lot of my administrative work and uh, <laughs> and so it's a uh, you know you could a- anyone can kind of send me an email it's Chris at a life dot com and uh, to, to kind of see it but it's very simple you know I, I think it's polite enough saying uh, you know I'm so sorry but time is limited these days this is what I'm focusing on and this this is one of those strategies that I don't think would work for most people because not everybody is a small business Business owner who has the luxury of not uh, being responsive so one hundred percent of the time, but you know the less responsive you are, the most more focused work that you can do, and the more focused work you do, the the more productive you become. I think you know so so much of our work is collaborative where we need to be available for other people, and and I've got that as well. But you know the, one of the main insights that. I've discovered into my own work is, of course, we all have these two types of work that we do. We have collaborative work where we need to be available to other people and on Slack and on Skype and and messaging throughout the day. But then we have the periods of focused work that we do throughout the day too. And I, I think if you're a small business owner, 70 I'm just making up a number. Maybe 70, 80% of the, the actual stuff that's important to you that will move your business forward comes from that focused work. And, and so anything you can do um, to, you know, A, r- kind of be respectful for people who want to email you and, and be accessible so much of the time, um, but also be focused the rest of the time is very, very critical. Um, email sprints, not, not to load this answer too much, but email sprints are one of the best strategies that I've found for this as well. Um, so... A couple of my friends are managers at Microsoft, and one of them, his his name is J.D. Meyer. And what he does is he hates being responsive and, and on email all day, but he also wants to be responsive to his team and do focused work at the same time. So at the top of each hour, he sets a timer for 10 or for 15 minutes, and in that time, he blows through as much email as he possibly humanly can. And he finds that it's a wonderful way to do 45, 50 minutes of focused work every single hour, but at the same time, um, be responsive because people don't have to wait over an hour for a response. And so there are ways that we can strike this sort of balance between the collaborative and the focused work that we all do uh, while still being uh, productive and available.
0: Well, I know for me one of the big challenges was I had this perception of myself as the email guy, like I always answered emails. And so I'm the email guy. And then at some point I I put myself on my deathbed and said, well, do I want to have made more, you know, things like field guides or do I want to have answered more email at the end, you know? And <laughs> you know, and, and you, you and it sounds silly, but that that's the trap you fall into if you don't think about it and and so, uh, so what I do, I just draw a box around it. I mean, email gets an hour, and you know if somebody has a customer problem with a field guide and they need a you know you know whatever they didn't get what they bought or whatever, those always go to the top they get taken care of, and the rest of it, I get through as much as I can in an hour at the end of the day. that's as much time as goes into email and and it took me a long time to kind of get comfortable with that because instinctively, I felt like, well, but you're the email guy, you know, (laughs) you know, I'm like, no, actually, I'm a guy who makes things. And I think that's more important to me. So uh, it takes a while to get through that. So I was curious when you did this autoresponder, was there much negative reaction to it? Maybe, but
2: I didn't see <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> maybe, maybe people think, "Oh man, this guy is such a uh, an inflated sense of self-importance." I thought he was this friendly Canadian productivity guy, but it, it's like, no, that you know, we gravitate to any task that makes us. Feel important or provides us with validation. I know that tendency in myself, and so I'm actively working against it. So I have more focused work time. Um, One one other strategy that that I think is worth uh, trying that you know I thought I'd get some negative reactions from, but that people ended up loving and started doing themselves is the five sentence rule. And so the five sentence rule goes like this. So in your email signature, you make a little note that says, you know, maybe delete the um, the like five hundred page uh, or five hundred word little description of why people shouldn't print your email, and and put put that put in its in its place uh, a note that says something like, you know, to respect your time and mine, I keep every email I send to five sentences or less. And it's a simple little nudge, but because You know, you have to think more about the emails that you send. People love getting short emails. You don't send this big uh, blog post in a message. You know, you have to be more thoughtful, and you'll find that people start using the strategy uh, themselves as well. If you're anything like me, and so you know, there are some simple things like that that we can do. I I thought when I started doing that that I was the biggest. Jerk in the world. But then I started getting emails from friends and colleagues and, and people that I knew that had this exact same note in, in their email signature. And so it's, it's one of these that, uh, and, and if you want to send something longer than five sentences, it's, that's a good cue to pick up the phone. And call the person or or arrange for a skype meeting because he hadn 't seen them in a while, or walk over to where they 're working and, and say hello and ask them uh, a few questions of whatever you wanted to write in that email it 's a, it's, it's a nice little nudge and I, I think it 's kind of like when we 're walking around towns it 's a classic spotlight effect where we think okay i 'm wearing a weird combination of shirt and pants today everybody 's going to be staring at me everybody 's going to be judging me but No, people are so caught up in their own business. And I I think email is kind of the same way. People usually don't notice that it takes you 12 hours to respond to something. They're just happy it took you less than a day. I
0: think I'm going to make mine say every time I write more than five sentences in an email, a puppy dies. Oh, man.
2: That's intense. Will there be any? Yeah, that's... uh...
0: I'm not Canadian. Well, I'm a little Canadian, but not enough, I guess that friendly. You
2: got that Canadian spirit, both of you do. (laughs) I must say,
0: I I am I am French Canadian man. Are
2: you actually French Canadian?
0: Yeah, my grandfather was one hundred percent in Québécois. Yeah,
2: that's cool. Do you have a lot of Canadian listeners?
0: Yes, we do. Yeah, the nice ones. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) uh, I'm going to get so much trouble. (laughs) Yeah, get so much trouble.
2: Please don't email. Yeah.
0: This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Hover make a name for yourself and get 10% off any domain name. Go to hover.com/mpu. When you have that one big idea, where do you go? For a ton of entrepreneurs, Hover is that big leap because your business starts with a domain name. Hover has over 300 domain name extensions to choose from. No matter what you want to build, there's a domain name waiting for it, and they have excellent technical support to answer any questions. You may have, and they're dedicated to getting you online, not upselling you. Hover has free who is privacy. So the bad guys don't get your information, a clean user interface, monthly sales on popular top level domains. And it's easy to see why Hover is the popular choice for people starting a business. I'll never forget going on Hover and buying the domain for sparksesq.com. That's the website for my law practice. It was the very first step I took towards kind of getting independent and leaving the firm. And even though I wasn't ready to leave yet, buying that domain was an essential first step for me. And it just kind of warms my heart when I think about it. Hover knows you like an intuitive user experience and things just work straight out of the box. So I know you'll appreciate Hover. They have a really clean user interface and it's easy to navigate. Plus they have additional services. For instance, I also run my email through Hover. So get started on your next big adventure. Buy your domain and start using it today. Go to hover.com slash MPU and get a 10% discount on all new purchases. That URL one more time is hover.com slash MPU. Make a name for yourself with Hover. Our thanks to Hover for their support of the Mac Power Users and FM. Chris, I always like to end the show with guests uh, hearing about a few apps that delight them and help them get their work done. And you delivered, you gave us a great list here of stuff you use to get your work done. A couple of things we've already covered, like Fantastic and things, but there's a lot of apps here you're using to get your work done.
2: Yes, sir. I, I must say this is one of the rare uh, interviews that I actually prepared for because usually you go into an interview and they ask a bunch of questions about the, the books and, you, you know, you kind of say the same answers each time. And this this one was kind of nice though. Oh, I get to actually nerd out about my favorite Mac apps for once. I get to actually like, you know, talk about what I'm the biggest nerd about in, in addition to this productivity stuff. So there, there's a bunch of them. Um, one is, do you guys use vanilla? If you're like me, you have a lot of things in your menu bar. I'm looking at it. I've expanded it right now. I probably have 15 or 20 different things in the menu bar on my computer. Uh, but what vanilla is, is you allow some things to be hidden. And so there's a special key code that you price to expand your menu bar. And so the default state for my menu bar is I have the volume, the internet, the, the Wi-Fi, the power, the calendar, and the current temperature outside because, uh, because of of Carrot Weather's nice Mac application. But if I press this key code, the menu bar expands to uh, include Dropbox and um, Spotlight and um, Alfred and and all the different other uh, icons that are up there that you might want to use sometimes, but not all the time. And so it's a nice way of maintaining things, you know, very, very simply and cleanly, and, and your menu bar looks a lot cleaner. Um, another one made by this same developer, I, f- I forget her his name, is Rocket, um, and where you type, it, it kind of introduces that that Slack thing, where you type, I, I think, um, um, what do you call colon. it? A colon. Yeah, mm-hmm. a colon yeah you know, it says i promise i write for a living you type a colon and then it you know you can start typing the name of an emoji and you can t- click the one because you know we all know emoji input on the mac is uh less than, than desirable at this point in time and so it's a nice application to let you do that uh trip mode do you guys use trip mode
0: yeah i'm using it right now lifesaver <laughs>
2: yeah yeah <laughs> the data saver because when when you have it enabled you get to um you get to tell um you know your your computer which um applications can uh, you know use the internet yeah. and so low data mode is wonderful on the on the iPad but from what i know it doesn't exist on the Mac does it yet
0: no, it doesn't.
2: No, so it's it's a nice kind of uh, low data mode. until Apple um, does that, and, and also puts LTE on on their laptops, which is hopefully forthcoming. Uh, freedom
0: so, is. Let me just let me just interrupt there for a little bit because for folks who aren't familiar, trip mode. So what it is a menu bar app, but the idea of, of it is whenever you are on, um, whenever you're tethering to your phone, it can automatically turn off all the stuff you don't want, and it's great because it you know it, like. Chris was saying, it saves you a ton of data. If you ever spend time tethering or using like hotel Wi Fi where, you know, every one in zero feels like it costs you money or is very mm-hmm. slow, <laughs> you want to um you want to go ahead and use something like trip mode. It's also great for podcasting because, like, I I run it before I start recording, and it shuts down Dropbox and a whole bunch of stuff on my iMac that I don't want having, uh, you know, using up bandwidth in the background while we're recording a show. And I, it, it is one of those apps that, as soon as I saw it, I thought, wow, well, they're going to Sherlock this like as soon as they get a chance. And it's been out for years now, and they never have. I'm, I'm kind of surprised.
2: Yeah, it's I, I I use it at every single coffee shop because I I never I, I never attach to the coffee shop Wi Fi because
0: no that's bad you
2: know it's it's just public Wi Fi <laughs> yeah. and, and it's a great way to just use a few megabytes instead of you know having Dropbox sync in the background and iCloud sync in the background um, every time you connect so it, it really is a yeah.
0: I remember the dark days before trip mode and I'd like go on a trip and and back when the monthly. Caps were pretty low on tethering, and I remember one in particular where we had finished recording a show, but for whatever reason, Katie re-uploaded the audio to the Dropbox, and oh, I used no. like four. I used up like like ninety percent of my monthly bandwidth while mm-hmm. I was asleep. I woke up and I got a message from AT and I'm like, well. That was kind of dumb.
1: Yep, it'll get you. The, the one that always gets me is iCloud Photo Library. Like imagine if you're traveling, right? You're taking much pictures with your phone and then you open your MacBook Pro and it tries to download 32 images over hotel Wi-Fi or you know LTE or something. It's like, no, 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 Like this can wait until I get home. Just to hold your horses. Yeah. In trip mode, you just uncheck photos and it no longer has network access. It's, it's a really solid tool if, you're with, if you are traveling at all.
2: Do you guys know if some applications are smart enough to not use the tethered data?
1: I don't think there's anything in macOS itself that signals to other apps that we're being tethered. So Mm. uh, I think the Mac basically treats any internet connection like a fire hose.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I think the way the apps, if they either, it's a one or a zero, they either have internet access or they don't. That's right. And if they do, then it's going to use as much as it can.
2: Just two shades of internet. Okay.
0: Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Hopefully, you're right. I don't know if, you know, If it feels to me like, will they make a Mac with a built in LTE? I don't know. I don't
2: yeah. Know. Especially when everybody has a phone in their pocket that they can easily tether to.
0: Yeah. Maybe they feel like the tethering is the answer. I don't know. But then who knows? Maybe we'll get an arm Mac with a, they'll be, have like an iPad on the inside.
2: <laughs> That's the dream. That's the dream isn't it?
0: Mm -hmm. Then you get text edit everywhere, Chris. You get it everywhere.
2: What's your dream Mac? Like if you can have any Mac, any form factor, what would it be?
0: Uh, I'm going to let Steven go first because he thinks about this a lot more than I do.
1: I mean, uh, I am very excited about the Mac Pro. I'm not a big notebook user. I mean, because I have a home studio, right? But in thinking about what's realistic in the future, if we move to ARM, having a notebook with you know, 12, 18, 24 hour battery life. It would be just the golden thing for me. You know, I carry a 15 inch MacBook Pro, uh, which is awesome. I really love it. But boy, do I have to carry that power adapter around with me. So that's the most exciting thing to me in the future is can I get further and further away from an outlet with my notebook and arm is a is a huge gateway to that future.
0: Yeah, for me, I mean, my dream Mac right now is the one sitting on my desk. This iMac Pro is amazing. Like I, I do video stuff on it and it's super fast and it's gorgeous and it's beautiful. And when I record a podcast, it's whisper quiet. I, I don't know that I could, you know, I, I could come up with a better Mac than this one. As, as to the idea of that, like super portable all day ARM Mac, I like that idea. Like there's certain things like Keyboard Maestro. There's some things I'd like to have on a portable device, but as as the iOS and the, I guess iPad OS gets stronger, mm-hmm. um, it becomes less of a priority to me because generally I can get most of my work done on an iPad. Yeah, so uh, like, like I guess Chris, when you uh, like when you've got your your Mac in to get the the latest keyboard, how how well do you do just using <laughs> the iPad?
2: Yeah, pretty good. I, I think I can accomplish eighty to ninety percent of what I do, in, in the the remaining ten percent. are are the cockpit-type activities where, okay, I need to be hunkered down at a computer because I'm restructuring... This book and, and moving these vast amounts of text in like five or six different text edit windows, where three are just a, a temporary holding place <laughs> for, sure. for for the other two, and, and so it's um I I, find, I you know I think there's kind of no substitute for those ten percent tests at least right now, but it's um yeah I, I do pretty well you know my I was thinking about my ideal Mac the other day, and for some reason whenever I get a new iPhone I can't thinks I can't stop thinking about um Samsung has that I think it's called Dex D E where, you know, you have a dock for your phone. Is, is that what it's called? It is. Yeah, where I just think, okay, what... Would that look like if the Mac goes arm and so there's there could be kind of like a uh, a front row type interface for the iPhone where you p- put it put it in the dock and then it fires up Mac OS X, which seems it would seem would run well uh, on the current product, the a- A13 that's in there. You know what if there was a dock where you can you know BYODKM that classic setup, put it in the dock and then have it connect to uh, to a monitor that it drives and a keyboard and a mouse. What what if there was kind of a little shell that looked exactly like the MacBook Adorable that you put your phone inside of, and then it, it turned into this full-fledged computer. Maybe the technology that of that is so far off, but I, I just can't stop thinking about that when I get a new iPhone. I see how powerful it is, and so all the headroom that that isn't being used by, by VR stuff and by games, you know, it, it seems like that could serve that purpose.
0: Yeah, I mean, that opens up a whole lot of ideas. And I always wonder when we get to the point where our, all our computing is in one brain that like a phone that we carry around with us and use remotely, is that the future or is it going to be that all of it is just stored on whatever, you know, the version of iCloud, Hmm. Google Cloud, whatever it is, and everything's going to be just a dumb terminal that you log into. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure where it goes. It's fun to think about it though. It is. Yeah, it is.
2: Yeah. It's uh, but until that way until that that day we have some nice Mac apps uh, Freedom. Yeah is another one that, that I think is worth uh, exploring. If you find that you use a Mac and you struggle to focus sometimes, Freedom is this application where you fire it up. It says, how long do you want to focus for? You say an hour. And then you, you can specify, specify a block list of sites and uh, applications that you're not allowed to use during that time. And so if I'm writing and I find I'm, or maybe reading some research studies that I find especially aversive, I'll fire up Freedom and, and uh, use that. Uh, I iStat menus. Uh, I, I love, even though I'm not, you know, a huge nerd. I'm kind of a medium, medium nerd, and, and so I love using the one to see um, the data up and down speeds on my computer, how much data is transferring, the battery information, because when you click the battery icon in your menu bar, you no, no longer see just a, a, a standard, uh, standard. Uh, the, the Mac OS 10 prompt, you see a, a trend line over time of how your battery has been depleted, um, the battery for your external devices, your airpods, your keyboard, how many cycles your battery has been through. It's a wonderful, wonderful um, added feature and yeah, th-
0: yeah there, there's so much information in istat. I mean it's it's crazy there's so much and you can tune it like you can get the they have one that gives you everything kind of condensed into one or you can get a a, a, an entire menu bar widget on fan speeds if you want you know
2: (laughs) if you're John Syracuse and and you care about care about how loud they are but yeah those you know simple note Apple notes things fantastical text expander I use every single day but vanilla for the menu bar trip mode which you have probably mentioned a few times on the podcast but if you haven't yet bought trip mode mode do buy it because it's it's so powerful and uh istat
0: someday on the show i want to maybe it's not today but someday on the show i want to get steven hackett to explain his istat setup i i'm just imagining mm. that it's very complex
1: it's a rube goldberg machine of graphs is what it is
0: i'm i'm guessing i'm guessing it's a lot of data <laughs> that's by the way available set setup now the other day i went to buy the upgrade oh. and i realized oh i don't need to do that i'm already nice. getting it set up oh the, that's cool. um, Well, Chris Bailey, you are not just a halfway nerd. You are a full nerd.
2: Yep. Oh, that warms my heart, guys. Thank
0: you. You get get the merit badge.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's official coming from you 2 because you two are, are certified nerds that's right we got it hanging on the wall and everything
0: yeah now we have our challenge yeah. coins we have our nerd challenge coins we that's can right. show it at, at, the, at the meetings
2: you too can like verify other nerds like, yeah, there you th- go. like twitter verifies Like you can verify other people to be a nerd oh, that's good yeah. well
0: you can add that now to your website you are MPU verified <laughs> yes yes this is big alright well listen gang uh, Chris where can people find you if they want to learn more about the stuff you do
2: yeah, so my site is called a lifeofproductivity dot com, and that's where I just blog about productivity. No ads, no, nothing. I, I even got rid of the annoying newsletter pop up on my website recently, which. Uh I'm, you know, I kind of hate those myself, so I'm happy about that. Uh podcast is called Becoming Better. I do that with my wife, and so we make a podcast every couple of weeks, and that's fun. We, you know, last episode, we drank some wine, and we talked about how alcohol influences productivity, which was, which was a good time. Um, and, uh, yeah, the books, I guess, uh, one is called The Productivity Project. The other is called Hyper Focus: How to Be More Productive in a World of Distraction. Wherever books are sold, you can pick them up if you want. There's also an audiobook if you like the sound of my voice. Um, and if you don't
0: like the sound of my voice, there's the physical book. Yeah, gang, these are great books, especially. I think they're just... They're just. I've read them both, and I'm. I'm a fan of Chris's work, obviously. So check them out, and uh, and go check out Chris's website. We are the Mac Power Users. You can find us over at Relay.fm/mpu, and this is episode number five hundred five. Uh, thanks to our sponsors: One Password, Smile, Iro, and Hover. And we will see you next week.